Well, as many of you know, this week has been deemed, this month has been deemed, welcome back month. So if you're coming back from vacation or staycation, maybe you're getting back into your work schedule, your school schedule, maybe you've been attending Bedside Church. You know Bedside Church. It's next to uh, Pillow Presbyterian and uh, <laughs> multiple services. It's great. It's a great service. But wh- wherever you've been, we're coming back and we're saying we're reconnecting. We're gathering together in one. And, and may I say, we're not just coming back to a building. We're coming back to relationship, building relationship with one another. And as in that spirit, I just want to share with you on the message simply entitled, Welcome back. Welcome back. In that spirit, there is a man I would like for us to explore in scripture by the name of Ananias. It's not popular or very well known, but his contribution to spreading the gospel message and even his impact on the life of the Apostle Paul cannot be overstated. So I would like for you to turn in your Bibles in Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 10. Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 10. And as you're arriving there, allow me to provide just a quick backstory. Before he was the apostle Paul, his name was Saul of Tarsus. He was a member of the Pharisees, a religious party. And for the first half of his life, he committed himself to the persecution of Christians. It was harsh. He would go from synagogue to synagogue to synagogue, urging that Jews that accepted Jesus as Messiah would either be flogged or ostracized. It was devastating. And as Saul one day was on a road in Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. It not only changed his life, but changed the course of history and changed the life of the church. But the Apostle Paul, a.k.a. Saul, as we will discover, he needed the very community, the very people that he ostracized. Isn't it interesting or even ironic that the very people ostracized and dismissed and ignored and looked over are the very people you may need for your breakthrough? Here we see that the Apostle Paul is in need of help. He is in need of breakthrough, and it came through relationship. As we look at Acts chapter 9, verse 10, let's look at this story and what unfolds. It says the following, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. 
And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, say immediately. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. What a powerful transformational story. This is miraculous. In fact, it is known as the Damascus Road experience. And literally, in this story, the Apostle Paul was knocked off his high horse. Literally. See, we see here in Scripture that although this is an epic story of biblical proportions, I would like to turn our attention and shift our focus to the great humility of one man. And that was the man named Ananias. And I want to raise a question for us today because as we're coming back, as we're reconnecting, as we're opening our hearts wide in a welcoming attitude, I would like to know through scripture, how can we welcome others like Ananias? Because Ananias had a heart for God, but as we can see through scripture, he had a heart for people. And it doesn't matter how much we may proclaim and champion we love God. If we don't love people, it's for vain. It's not. We have to say, God, if I love you, I must love one another. Do you agree with that? I want to make sure I'm in the right room. Do you agree with that? So as we look at this question, how can we welcome others like Ananias? The first thing that we must tackle is our perspective. Our perspective. In order for us to grow deeper roots in relationship, we must ask God, Lord, change our perspective. And what does that mean? It means that we embrace others the way that God sees them. Now, this is a challenge. This is a challenge because there are often times when we're trying to connect with another and it's difficult because they have a different opinion than we do different background than we do, a different experience than we do, and oftentimes we have an issue because of what we heard about someone, and we make a false judgment. I never met you, I've never encountered you, but I've heard enough, and I don't even want to connect with you, and we live in that culture today. Someone says something on social media, oh, I don't want to be bothered with that person. I don't want to be connected with that group. And here we see that Ananias was in a place, look at the scripture. He says right here in Acts chapter 9 verse 13, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And look at verse 14. And he says, he has come here with authority. 
from the chief priests to arrest all who call in his name. The first response of Ananias was, I have heard. And here he is fearful. He's filled with apprehension, filled with trepidation. Why? Because he knows the Lord is calling him to meet with Saul and this man may kill me. It's different when I'm just knowing you, maybe meeting you for the first time. There's a little bit of nervousness, maybe a little bit of apprehension. Maybe you're saying, you know, I have to ch check this out. I have to be tactful. I have to be sensitive. But can you imagine meeting someone and you are at risk of being killed? It's a different story, wouldn't you say? So here, Ananias is rightfully fearful. But notice his perspective changed when the Lord spoke. When the Lord speaks, perspective changes. When the Lord speaks, we have a different view. And notice what the Lord said. He said, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and the, before the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Acts chapter 9 verse 10 only tells us that Ananias was a disciple of Christ in Damascus. That's all it tells us. It doesn't tell us his family pedigree. It doesn't reveal to us his family background. It doesn't let us know that he was a great man of influence or wealth or stature. But all it does tell us is that Ananias was a follower of Jesus. And because he was, because he was a follower of Jesus, he listened to the voice of God and said, Lord, I am ready when you call. We don't need to have great degrees or great stature, but when you're a follower of Christ, you're ready to answer his call. No matter what the season is, no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging, let's be real, no matter how crazy it may sound, when God is for me and he goes before me, I can trust that he is with me all the way. See, Ananias recognized this is crazy. This is crazy. You're having me go to this man that may kill me, may hurt me, but because you spoke, my perspective has changed. And oftentimes we're listening and what we're hearing are the whispers of people. And may I shift our attention to hearing the whisper of our God. Because when we hear his voice, when we hear his sound, it will shift our lives. It will shift our perspective. It will shift our ministry. It will shift how we treat one another, how we treat our family, our, our spouse, our children, those that we're in work with, maybe at our job. It shifts our perspective. So if we're going to welcome others like Ananias. Let's ask God, Lord, change our perspective. Say it with me. Change my perspective. It's all about perspective because you may be in a crisis right now. You may have a difficulty right now, but if you, if you allow God to change your perspective, that challenge and that difficulty will look like an opportunity. It will look like a blessing in disguise. So we welcome others like Ananias by embracing a changed perspective. But here's another thing I see through scripture, that we embrace acceptance. Acceptance. See, when Ananias, his perspective was shifted, it also changed how he viewed people, 
how he viewed Saul. Notice in verse 17. Read this with me. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, catch this, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias said, brother, who was once his enemy, he then says, brother. But I want us to take a little step back for a moment. And I want you to see because Ananias had a changed and shifted perspective, he had boldness and courage. Notice what the scripture says. It says that when Ananias went to the house, he went to the house and entered it. He knocked on the door and walked in, not knowing what was on the other side. Imagine that level of boldness. Then on top of that, he says, I'm going to follow what the Lord said and place my hands on Saul, indicating intimacy and relationship. And then we see that Saul was embraced as brother. Could you imagine how inviting that was to the ears of a blind man? That he was welcomed as brother? I want you to think about this and consider this for a moment. Here, Saul was blind for three days. He did not have food. He did not have drink. He was by himself. He was in isolation. He was in a place where he was wondering, what did I do? How did I get here? How did I arrive here? I can just imagine the questions that were, was in his mind. In fact, he might have thought he was doing the right thing. And he recognized, here I am in this dark place. Do you know of anyone who's in a dark place? They're confused. They don't know what to do. And maybe you're in that dark place. Maybe you're in that place where you're wondering, God, where are you when I need you the most? But one of the things that I'm encouraged by through the scripture is that God always has a solution. He always has an answer. And oftentimes he uses people. And the very darkness that Saul was experiencing, he did not realize that the light would come through Ananias. The very people that he would ostracize would be the very people that would give him sight. That's powerful. It's called acceptance. Now, acceptance, by the way, it's not blind acceptance. It's not, well, I don't have a standard. I take anything or anything goes. No, no. Acceptance means I'm going to walk with you. I, I, I see where you are. And no matter where you are, I've committed to you. I'm invested in you. I care deeply about you. But I can't let you stay where you are. There is more that God has in store. There is more that God has destined for your life. And I decide to walk with you. Acceptance, oftentimes, is hard for us. Because acceptance says that I have to embrace all of who you are, even in your brokenness, even with your flaws, even when you make mistakes, I still love you and I'm committed to walking with you. And we see this in relationships, whether it's in a relationship with your workplace or relationship in church or relationship at home. I had to learn to even walk in acceptance and what that truly means and understanding how to meet people where they are. 
I have a very personal story because when my wife and I, we were dating, my wife had an issue at her job that she brought to my attention. And me trying to be the hero, I'm going to save the day, right? She brings this issue to my attention and I said, I'm going to give her unsolicited advice. She didn't ask me, but I'm just going to tell her what I think she should do. And as she's talking, intermittently, I'm interrupting her. And I'm saying, this is what you should do. And this is how I think you should approach it. And as I'm going through this whole dialogue, this whole conversation, Kristen said something to me that changed my perspective. She said, Ryan, I believe I know what to do. I was just hoping that you would listen to me. Ouch. (laughs) And you know what my instant reaction was? Rejection. And my response to Kristen in that moment was, never mind. I mean, I had attitude too. Never mind. I was just trying to help. We parted ways (laughs) that night. We parted ways. And I'm, I'm on the road home. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I get home. I start praying. And I said, Lord, I'm just trying to help. I don't understand. Why isn't Kristen receiving my help? And the Lord spoke to me. It wasn't an audible voice. It was a deep impression on my heart that brings about conviction. And he said, you weren't trying to help. You were trying to help yourself. This wasn't about her. This was all about you. When God talks to you about you, I'm not talking about the projected you. I'm not talking about your reputation. I'm not talking about how people perceive you. When God talks to you about you, it will change your perspective. And if we're humble enough, and if we're willing to receive it, we'll just say, Lord, please forgive me. And I had to ask God for forgiveness. I had to ask Kristen for forgiveness because I recognized I wasn't being the person that she needed in that moment. I projected on what I thought she needed, not actually what she needed. So acceptance, there are people all around us that just want to know, do you know my pain? I know you know the scripture. I know you have an encouraging word. I know that you're motivated by the spirit, but I'm just wondering, do you see me? And if we would just say, we're walking with you, we're, we're, we're committed to you, we're here to love you. There may be people that walk in our church that are broken and flawed and they make mistakes and they may not have the Christian lingo and they may not understand all, but will we just accept them for where they are? And say, you know what, we're committed to walking with you because we know our own brokenness. So acceptance helps us have a welcoming attitude like Ananias. Say the word, acceptance. Acceptance. It's a powerful word. And Ananias understood, in order for me to follow the call of Christ, I must accept my brothers and sisters. There's a quote by Samuel Chadwick, a preacher. He once said that compassion cause. It is easy enough to argue and criticize and condemn, but redemption is costly and comfort draws from the deep. Brains can argue, but it takes heart to comfort. Isn't that a powerful lesson? That we can have an argument, we can have a debate, we can have an intense conversation, but only hearts can comfort. 
So how do we have a welcoming attitude like Ananias? I see that we must have a changed perspective and we must embrace acceptance, but it doesn't end there. We also must embrace correction. Now, now, the word correction sometimes has a negative connotation, but in this case, it does not. Because we see in verse 18, it says immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This scripture reveals to us the blindness that Saul was dealing with. And it was two types of blindness. There was a physical blindness and a spiritual blindness. Now, when an Ananias approached Saul and placed his hands on him, immediately, suddenly, without delay, he was healed from his blindness. But there was another step that we see in Scripture that allows us to see that he was free from his spiritual blindness. As he was able to see, then it proceeded to him being baptized. He says, I'm making a public confession, a public declaration that, yes, I was once blind, but like Amazing Grace says, I now can see. In fact, here at Christ Church, at the end of this month, we are having water baptism. It is a public declaration of an inner commitment to our faith. And if you're in this place today, And you say, you know what? I've never been water baptized. I've never had that experience. We want you to take advantage of this opportunity. Or even if you were baptized, and maybe it was many years ago, and you said, you know what? I recognize as life has gone on, I want to make a fresh commitment to God. I want to make this public declaration once again. We invite you to do that. Because as Paul said, I am now able to see, but now I'm making a public declaration to see in the spirit realm. This is powerful. Now, notice the way that Saul was corrected. Ananias laid his hands on him, and it was to encourage him that you can move forward in God. Many of us in this room, or many people that you know, they just need encouragement. Encouragement. They just need to hear, you've got this. You're on the right track. You can do this. And oftentimes, we're in a place where because we're demotivated and we're not encouraged, and because we're not receiving those words, we feel depleted, depleted of our strength, depleted of our aspirations. But I want to encourage you here today. Scripture tells us that God wants to speak a word of encouragement to you. And I'm going to take a pause in this sermonic presentation just to tell you that God loves you deeply. He loves you deeply. And in his deep love for you, there are plans that he has for you. See, the scripture tells us, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's our heart. And that's God's heart. And when it deals with correction, have you ever met someone that is ready to give correction (laughs) but they're rarely in a position to receive it. They always can see what's wrong with you. Uh, Something's wrong. Something's, Something's off. But when it deals with them receiving correction, oh, no, they rise up. How dare you? 
And we have to be in a position not only to give loving correction, but also to receive loving correction. And oftentimes our correction has been in a condemning way, in a judging way. But the scripture shows us that there's a correction that brings us to a higher place in God. So we welcome others in our lives through loving correction. But the last thing that I see is restoration. How do we welcome others like Ananias? It's through restoration. Pastor Paul David Tripp once said, true restoration takes patience, subtlety, skill, and grace. What I have found out in my own life and what I see through scripture is restoration is not limited to a moment. It's a process. It requires relationship. If I'm going to come alongside and be a conduit of God's grace, I must then believe, God, you are going to restore not only the person that you've assigned me to, but you're restoring me too. That, God, you're doing something in me that's changing my perspective so that I can accept, I can lovingly correct, and I can come and restore. Check this out in verse 18. It bears repeating. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. The Apostle Paul, the man that we speak of, is one of the most prolific writers in the New Testament. Many of us sing songs and ministries have been birthed because of the letters that Paul wrote. And oftentimes we, we, we laud and we lift up the Apostle Paul, and rightly so. But oftentimes we don't see the context by which he arrived there. And it was because of Ananias. It was because of his humility. It was because he listened to the voice of God and saying, God, change my perspective about this man. And as God was changing his perspective, then he said, Lord, help me to be lovingly accepted, accepting of him and accepting of his flaws. And then he came and lovingly corrected him. But he also said, I'm coming around you to restore you. And this restoration was not a result of Ananias' special skill. It wasn't because he was just specially gifted. It wasn't because, well, that was all, that's only Ananias. No, it was because he allowed God to work through him. And when God speaks to us, he's able to speak through us. Jim George once said that restoration and hope is available each time you return to God. And you may be in this place right now, even as we're coming back, even as we're reconnecting, and you're saying, you don't understand. I know we talked about this summer and all the things that may have happened good, but there are some things that did not happen so well. There are some things I've walked through. There's some things I've done. There's some mistakes I've made, and I really don't want to repeat it. I really don't even want to think about it. But I want to encourage you that as we eat, each time we turn to God, he restores us. Each time, it's not a bother to God when we come to him. He says, each time you come, get ready for restoration. Each time you come, get ready for an infilling of my spirit. Each time you come, get ready for my love and grace to flood you. Each time you come, know that my grace is sufficient for you. Each time you come, know that my mercy is for you. Each time you come, know that I will renew you. Each time you come. Many of us have seen on the news the devastating consequences 
of Hurricane Dorian. It has battered and damaged the islands of the Bahamas. It will take years to rebuild. There are those that are in the Bahamas right now, as I speak, that do not have any resources or recourse. And they're wondering, Lord, or maybe they're not. They're just hopeless. And when I was watching the news, my heart broke. Because in one moment, as the hurricane was covering the islands, people's lives were being damaged and destroyed. They say on the news that the death count is rising. But there was one story in the New York Times this past week that brought such hope and encouragement. There's a man, 49-year-old man, by the name of Brent Lowe. He was in his home when the hurricane hit, and he recognized, I cannot stay here, or I will perish. Along with him in his home was his 24-year-old son. His son had cerebral palsy and could not walk. So here he was, recognizing, I not only need to escape, but I need to make sure my son escapes. But Brent faced a challenge. Brent is blind. And as he's in his home, he's recognizing, I need to get out. So with all the courage and boldness and strength and tenacity that he had, he took his 24-year-old son and placed him on his shoulders. And this blind man was navigating through the waters. They said the current was so strong, it came up to his chin. And as he's carrying his son on his shoulders, blind, physically blind, the only way he was able to escape was by clutching onto the neighbors that were in the community. And they said, we've got you. And he was navigating through water with his son. And he was able to see a home across the way along with the neighbors and said, let's go. He said, I know it was only five minutes away, but it felt like eternity. It felt like forever. And the only way he was able to escape was because of others. Others came alongside of him and said, we're not going to leave you where you are. You have to get out. And you may not be facing a storm or a hurricane like the Bahamas, but you may be in a storm. There may be someone that you know that's in a storm. And the only way they can get out is by us clutching our arms together and saying, we're doing this together. We're getting out. I know you may not be able to see but because I can, I'm going to help you along. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 tells us that. To gently restore, to come alongside. And as we come together, as we welcome each other back, as we reconnect, don't leave anyone on the sideline. 
There's someone who's hurting, who's broken, who's flawed, and just wondering, will you leave me in this storm or will you help me? So I want to welcome us back. Welcome us back to community. Welcome us back to relationship. Welcome us back to loving each other. Yes, in our brokenness. Yes, in our flaws. Yes, in our mistakes. Because that's the only way, as the body of Christ, we will grow in him. So let's let God change our perspective, lovingly accept, lovingly correct, and say, Lord, help us to walk in full restoration. I want to welcome you back to relationship.